What's up, everybody? On this episode, we're going to be talking with intern Nick Andrews. You've likely seen Nick on some of the videos, either cooking or saying some goofy stuff in a southern accent. And we really like having Nick around this season. It's been a lot of fun having both him and Keith around. But Nick has a pretty cool life story. He's done a bunch of cool stuff for being only 26 years old. So we were driving back from our Minnesota hunt, and I just figured, what the heck, let's just start rolling and have Nick tell his story and some of his perspectives on life and some of the things that he's done. So that's what you can expect on this episode. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you guys that we have partnered with the social media platform, Go Wild to combat mainstream social media's censorship. Go Wild is a free social community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. Alright guys, let's learn more about Nick Andrews. Some of this banter might be... Is that fine that I'm already recording? Yeah, I don't care. Oh, that's fine with me. Just... You never know what might what might be said. People don't even maybe know that you can have charging not available because liquid has been detected. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. I either my phone's not updated to have that kind of security, or I just don't put my phone in water enough <laughs> to have learned. I, I think I have. It definitely happens with the snow to me a fair amount because it just gets down in there like when it's raining or something. Yeah, that happen. But the snow is. The snow is definitely a culprit of it. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to put it on the dash and just heat it up. Yeah, get a little warmth in there. That should work. By the time we get done talking for an hour, that should be dried out. I know at some point my pee bag is full and I'll have to <laughs> pee. But if, I'm going to see if we can put I think I can push through this podcast before having to do that. Oh, uh, you just let me know. But, I mean, I got enough cord on here. If we, if we get to that, we'll just pull over. I'll open the door and... I don't know if anybody's ever peed while podcasting with you before, but I think I could do it. I've uh, had to, I've had a lot of podcasts where I've got to a point where I go into it and I have a guest on, get drink the coffee to get fired up, and then I get like the habit of you know the the drink it the yeah. drink action. You know, where you just start picking up a drink habitually. Yep. And a lot of times start drinking my water real habitually. I feel like just drinking coffee in general makes me want to drink water too. Yeah. The next thing you know, it's an hour later and I'm sitting there like feeling like urine's going to come out my eyelids. Coffee is one of those weird beverages where when I drink it, my mouth gets drier. Yeah. It's like it takes out all the moisture I've got. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I mean, as soon as it's down the gullet, it's, I mean, right to dry mouth. And if... <laughs> You really want to test your limits. I mean, you drink drink a cup of coffee and then try to eat uh, a Popeye's biscuit and see where you get. <laughs> you know, I mean, you'll probably choke. A Popeye's biscuit served without any sort of beverage to wash it down with is pretty much a you know just a one way trip for you to go to the hospital because you're going to choke on it. It's like the cinnamon challenge. Yes. It's just yeah. can't can't physically do it or trying to eat a whole pack of saltines. It's mm-hmm. like. You ain't getting out of that alive. No, yeah, that's you're gonna fight for your life on that one. <laughs> but I do like a good Popeye's biscuit. I like to put the honey on it. They give you a little thing of honey and put some of that on there. But you gotta have a good beverage on standby. To be completely honest with you, I don't know that I've ever had Popeye's. 
Really? Yeah, I mean, I know they have them around. I mean, I've definitely been around enough Popeyes to have the opportunity to go. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been. I've been. That's It's chicken, right? It's Popeyes yeah, chicken. Yeah, chicken. I've probably been a couple of times, but not not enough to, like, have good experience, you know, a good or bad experience with a biscuit necessarily. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't, like, I haven't ate it a ton in civilian life, mm-hmm. but uh, on my last deployment, we were in Okinawa and on the base there inside the little the PX the little store for us to go buy whatever from they had um a Popeyes a Burger King just little ones like you would see in a mall you know how it would be like in the commissary or food court just like that it's just a food court and it was a Popeyes a Domino's and a Burger King and so I would eat that Popeyes a lot I don't know I mean it was just fast food and hot to eat anyways (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with that but I used to eat it all the time and the that's where I got on the biscuits. They actually had a, a chicken po' boy, which a po' boy is just a, it's like a Cajun sandwich. Yeah, they say, I don't know what a po' boy uh, is. It's, so it's just some, like, I think it's French bread. And then whatever your protein is, whether it's fish or crawfish or whatever, chicken, and or so the protein, and then like lettuce and mayo, and, and that's pretty much it. That's a po' boy. Uh, to my knowledge, that's the Popeye's po' boy, the way it was made. <laughs> it's not probably not a traditional Cajun po' boy, so... Don't yell at me for that. Any Cajuns that may, may or may not hear this. But that chicken po' boy was good, let me tell you. Would a Cajun be, a Cajun folk be also known as a coon ass? A coon ass, yep. That's awesome. That's one of my favorite terms that I've learned in the last year. Not from Nick. Learned from uh, Lee down in Mississippi. Lee oh, and, yeah. Lee and his wife, Rusty. Mm-hmm. Because uh, she's a coon ass, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, and she was talking about, that's the coon ass in me. And yeah. I'm like, what is coon ass? I'd never heard that in my life. Yeah. And then I think I heard you say it, or maybe in conversation mm-hmm. with Jake, but I think Jake, you know, heard it in the same time frame I did for the first time. It's just, I guess when, you, when you're confused of if you're from the north or the south, depending on where you're at on your hunting trip, you know, you don't hear all these things. Kind of like we're, like where we just are coming from right now we're in minnesota like down the, up there we're southern well you're always a southerner but i'm a southerner mm-hmm. having lived in uh ohio and iowa and colorado to a minnesota folk i'm a southerner yeah but then i'm down south in mississippi or alabama or georgia i'm a northerner yeah i'm like i'm kind of i'm kind of like i don't know kind of confused about where i'm from but that's all right it's kind of get a i'd like to get a little bit of everybody you know kind of continue to build a resume of yeah like different characters I can kind of become just based off of, you know, all the experiences listening to people. Yeah. Like you get a bunch of Wisconsin and Minnesota accents, you know, time and time again and just keep getting more experience and you kind of start creating your, your northern character a little bit. You kind yeah. of get him a little bit, uh, I don't know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you really find your find your character for that. Yeah. My the, my northern character really, it tur- just turns into a Bubbles impersonation, which I don't do that <laughs> intentionally. I've just impersonated Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys so much that anytime I try to talk with any sort of northern flexion, I, it comes out as Bubbles. And I did not even realize that myself. Someone <laughs> told me that as I was impersonating a northerner the other day, and somebody said, you just sound like Bubbles, or it sounds like you're trying to be Bubbles, and you're not even impersonating a, you know somebody from North Dakota. And it kind of just shook me to my core. <laughs> so, anyways. Dude, I, I love Trailer Park Boys. If... I, you know, I, it's not for everybody. Certainly isn't. But man, that show cracked me up, and I, I felt like as silly as it is, and as goofy as the whole show is, 
I feel like there's a lot of in a it just or uh, I guess brought up in really strange ways, like really ridiculous and out there ways. But there's a, always a life lesson in mm-hmm. like every season or episode or whatever. And I just think it's it's kind of hilarious how they did it. And I I think it that it's as silly and you know stupid as somebody may see it is certainly entertaining to me. I love some Trailer Park Boys. Watched a lot of that in college. I haven't watched it in a long time, but when I was in college, we watched a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother spent. A lot of time watching Trailer Park Boys. Good stuff. Should we talk about... I feel like we've been BSing enough. We could just make this one our BS. Yeah, we can since we're already there. We could talk... I think something, too, that you kind of talked about your deployment. I think just talking about, you know, your experiences as a Marine and kind of, you know, a little bit more background on your life would be, you know, interesting for people to hear in general, I think. Just the way, you know, you've chose to get to different stages of your life I, I find super interesting so i i'm thinking we could even just talk about that if you want yeah that's good with me so yeah i think start by talking about how you got into hunting and what that kind of looked like because we've been talking about it a lot today on the drive already but um Sorry, yeah it's just I, interesting I oh no oh no I didn't want to, you know, hit you with another one of them bombs again like I did earlier. Right right when we start kicking back into it, it's just like trying to not suffocate in here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, we'll we'll just kind of what we were talking about earlier, just how I got into all of it, you know, the life of Nick. Yeah. So what uh, what did getting into hunting look like for you and background a little bit on where you're from hunting experiences prior and everything and then into you know all the different stages of your life all right so born and raised in marshall texas and northeast texas which texas has a huge hunting culture as it is you know it's kind of like going to wisconsin or somewhere where you know everybody hunts even if they don't hunt a lot somebody everybody does it at least a little bit it seems like especially where i'm from uh my entire family you know my dad and then extended family on out, my, my grandparents, uh, uncles, cousins, everybody hunts and is really, like, really into it in my family. It's just kind of like everybody seems to have a thing, and hunting is their thing for all of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them are big deer hunters, some of them more, you know, waterfowl, some of them more just turkey. Uh, but everybody hunts, so my dad started dragging me around with him when I was three. My family makes jokes because all my stories of when I was real little, they all begin of when I was three. Because uh, I guess that's when my life pretty much started. And that's when my dad started taking me hunting. So it's pretty fitting that it, to me, it seems like my life began when I first started hunting with him. So he started dragging me around with him when I was three and it's like spring of 90, uh, spring of 98, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it was like his second year turkey hunting is when he started dragging me around. And that was the first thing I got into. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I just, he drug me around and, you know, by the time I was five or six, uh, you know, I started shooting a little single shot shotgun, shooting dove off a limb or on a power line. He'd hold, you know, always hold the shotgun up for me and it just slowly progressed. But even from the time I was really, really little, three, four, five years old, I was completely obsessed with hunting, everything about it. I mean, I remember in first grade, we had show and tell and for show and tell, I brought a uh, I brought an All Stars of Spring VHS to <laughs> class and made the whole class watch turkey hunting for the afternoon for my show and tell. That's hilarious. Uh, and so just being little, I was obsessed with all of it: deer hunting, duck hunting, 
turkey hunting. It didn't matter. I just wanted to do it. And my thing when I was little growing up is I just loved watching real tree videos. The, you know, the old Monster Bucks VHSs and All-Stars of Spring and Monster Bulls. I just loved watching those and it just fueled my fire, I guess. But yeah, so my whole family comes from a hunting background and a lot of hunting. I'm from Northeast Texas, but a lot of the hunting they all did, the deer hunting especially, was done in Central Texas where we still hunt. Uh, we've been on a lease there my entire life. And, and that's what hunting in Texas looks like for a lot of people is hunting mm-hmm. leases because there's so much private ground. Everything's, you know, leased up. That doesn't look good. Ooh. That truck looks like it's about to engulf in flames. <laughs> uh, yeah, by the way, we are driving down the road. We're, we're headed back to Iowa, so that way Nick and I can, I can drop him off at his truck, and I am going to probably end up driving towards Ohio and, kind of just taking a break for thanksgiving so you're going to hear road noise i guess we should maybe point that out as well but that's that's what you're hearing and if we have little side moments where we notice something you know you may be entertained by that as well you never know maybe not maybe you'll just be annoyed but either way we're we're probably going to notice a few things along the way like the truck that was smoking back there but anyway go on nick just just bear with us (laughs) uh two miles continue on this road so yeah I, i grew up Almost all of my deer hunting knowledge comes from hunting Central Texas on for the last 20 years, and I'm 27, so majority of my life, this same property. I've deer hunted other places other than that property very, very little. Like, I've only only killed, like, two deer in East Texas where I live, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of odd that I didn't even really deer hunt at all where I lived. It was all done six hours away in another part of the state. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what it looks like for a lot of people in Texas. So I grew up hunting that way, and the older I got, the, obviously the the more and more I got into hunting everything. You know, it just every year I just continued to just fall deeper into this obsession that is now my life of hunting. Uh, that progressed to traveling to duck hunt because I grew up pu- hunting ducks on public, mm-hmm. um, opposed to my majority of deer hunting being on private. Actually, all of it until I started hunting with Mm -hmm. y'all. Every bit of deer hunting I'd ever done was on private. It started exploring public lands with duck hunting first. And then later on in my life, once I got out of the Marine Corps, started switching to chasing turkeys more on public and in other states. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is actually all of that is because I found the hunting public in (laughs) in, uh, January of 2020 and started watching it. So that's kind of how that progressed hunting. Um, My life through hunting has been... So here's Kinda a like question that. for you, Mr. Texas. Mm-hmm. You ever seen what we're seeing on our right-hand side right here? Yeah, what is, is going on over here? This is a ski mountain where they're making snow. Have you ever seen that in your life? Not in person. I know that they make snow, but I didn't. I Now I'm seeing it for the first time. That's what it looks like. Oh, Pretty wow. Crazy. It just looks like a big snowstorm. <laughs> I always wondered how they did that, and that is incredible. There's just big fans blowing snow everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. I could see where it could create some problems on this here road, considering the road is real wet. Yeah, it's just wet from everything coming down to right there. At least we got out of it pretty quick. Yeah, that's but cool. no, I've I've never skied. It's factoid about me is I've <laughs> never been skiing or snowboarding or anything, so that's new to me. Well, I would like to go at some point. I just I haven't really checked it off my list yet. <laughs> well, that's what it looks like when they make snow. Well, that's pretty neat. So I think that when you're talking about Texas. You know, one of the things that we were talking about earlier is a lot of negative negativity revolves around Texas. And your perspective on that is pretty interesting. And honestly, I haven't 
really spent a whole lot of time with anybody that has primarily hunted in Texas. Yeah, I don't think I've spent time around anybody that has as much as you have. And I think your perspective is really interesting and, and cool to hear. So talk about like kind of being being the bad guy in yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of hunters eyes just because you're from texas yeah so i mean i've heard it my whole life and everybody thinks of texas as nothing but one big high fence ranch and you know shooting deer out from underneath deer feeders which there's a lot of high fence ranches and there's a lot of deer feeders <laughs> with deer getting shot out from underneath them mm-hmm. and i'm a culprit of uh the shooting out from underneath the deer feeder mm-hmm. and have been and will continue to be for the rest of my life but you know i've always heard other people say from like it's the midwest when i talk about deer hunting midwestern people are the ones that i think about first when they talk about deer hunters from texas and how Mm -hmm. it's not really deer hunting it's not you know blah 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 it's just all because you're hunting over a deer feeder Mm -hmm. which you can bait in lots of places around the country right but texas is the one that everybody thinks about when you think about hunting over bait in my opinion people think about deer feeders going off and doing that in texas and and i always find it funny and i used to get so upset uh, about other people's opinions when i was younger when i was like 13 14 15 mm-hmm. i'd see people you know bad mouthing it on a forum or whatever and my dad would laugh and he'd say you know they just they don't understand because it's not the culture that they grew up in right and which i always found it comical it's like i'm hunting over a 300 pound deer feeder but somebody from illinois or you know iowa is hunting over a five acre cornfield mm-hmm. cornfield that they made right and you know you're sitting on the trail that you know the deer are coming down most of the time what's the difference yeah yeah. what what is different about that yep. i don't think anything it's so anyways I, and i i kind of embrace now like we were talking about earlier i kind of embrace being that that butt of the joke or like the bad guy uh amongst hunters because you of the culture that i grew up in and hunting in texas is and i i say that i embrace it because i like to try to enlighten people who have never hunted that way mm-hmm. or been around it of you know how similar you know every every body is just because you're hunting over a deer feeder doesn't mean you don't know deer right Uh, well and one of the things that i said earlier too was the reason i like talking to you about it is you are the right person to change people's views and in the fact that just because you've done that and you will continue to do that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not open to just learning in general like yeah your interest in hunting as a whole and new strategies and everything which we're going to kind of circle back to later is definitely there and i think that it just goes to show that just because that's the culture that you grew up in doesn't necessarily mean that you're not interested in learning more and different strategies and applying those different strategies to different hunts and whenever it's applicable and i just think that it's really easy for people to try to pick on somebody that does things differently yeah. which you know it's just honestly one of those things that at the end of the day it's like you said if it's legal like it, it's tough to you, you, while you may not want to do it at the end of the day it's like well you don't have to yeah and, you know if it's legal um that, that's just <laughs> i mean that's just part part of of the culture and some cultures are going to look different like to be honest where i grew up it's it's funny you say that because as you're saying this i'm thinking to myself like ohio people bait all the time and while i chose not to like tons of people if not the majority bait in ohio Mm -hmm. like and it's not legal on public land but people that hunt private land are doing the same thing they got the feeder they got you know a lot of people have a big corn pile that they you know refresh all the time or 
you know, mineral licks and corn pile or all the, you know, all yeah. of it. And, you know, there's people out there. So that was, so then at the same time, you know, it's like, Hey, that's legal. You're allowed to do it. I can't, I can't say anything wrong about it at the same time though. It starts to get weird when people start to do it. I mean, you start to find places where people are doing it and they're not supposed to and all mm-hmm. that that's when it's like okay yeah, this that's... is getting out of hand but but otherwise but otherwise yeah it's the same thing so it's funny that texas has this negative view or, or i'm sorry majority of hunters have this negative view but you never hear people bashing ohio you never hear people bashing georgia uh-huh. where it's also super prevalent but like they're doing the same thing so it's just it, it is interesting that texas is like you know anybody from texas is the bad guy which yeah. i mean i <laughs> When you, and you know my you know my opinion is a little different on the baiting thing so whatever yeah. it's like we, we can have these different opinions and still be civil i think yeah. it's like oh, <laughs> people get so heated about it oh, so totally. so heated i mean it's it's really comedy to me um but yeah you know since that's that's the style excuse me <laughs> that's the style that i grew up deer hunting you know that's how i grew i mean that's how i did it for 20 years mm-hmm. coming into this fall yep but I've always been intrigued by any other way to try to deer hunt. So, and that's all I've done from September one, when we started or two, when we started deer hunting this year to now I've done nothing but learn and just tried to be a sponge because we've been deer hunting off the ground, out of saddles, looking for sign, something I, I know what acorns are and what an acorn tree looks like. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know how deer hit them. But I've never had to scour the woods looking for certain acorn trees and finding the freshest feed sign and stuff like that. I've never had to do that mm-hmm. in order to put myself in the ball game with a deer. Now, on years where it's super wet in central Texas and we have a like a bumper acorn crop, Mm-hmm. And they quit hitting deer feeders, contrary to popular belief to a lot of people. They'll actually not go to the deer feeders <laughs> a lot because they know that danger awaits there. Right. So, you know, but anyways, they they don't always just run to it. Actually, rarely do they ever do that. <laughs> um, so, like, I've had to get off of feeders before and go, like, set up a, a ground blind and, and, you know, hunt deer that way. Just getting where they would travel to between, you know, the feeder and the bedding area. Mm-hmm. Uh I've done that and had success doing it, but I, I've never thought of it as like, oh, this is my the style that a way I'm going to hunt right a lot until now mm-hmm. after doing this. And I've learned so much about what to look for, where to find it, how to find it, what to do when you find it. That from early season sign on to now, we're in peak of the rut and different strategies for hunting deer in the rut This with this style. You know, my game my hunting mindset has changed forever and i I mean it will continue to evolve now after learning as much as i have and i will be able to and i'm gonna you know practice it and put it put it to work i'm gonna continue like i'm gonna start hunting public lands in texas now because Mm -hmm. there's opportunity there right out my back door for really good deer hunting i just never knew how to go about it sure and you know yes could i have figured it out on my own i mean yeah you got to do that but that's something that's like my mindset at the time was why am I going to, you know, get my teeth kicked in here doing this mm-hmm. when I, I could instead go hunt what I know and be better off. But sure. my, my, my mindset is evolving. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned a lot of things that I'm going to continue to do and styles I'm going to continue to hunt. And it's just all tools in the tool bag. So I hear people bashing, you know, the style that I come from mm-hmm. and like, yeah, you don't have to do it. Right. And, you know, I mean, but, 
I don't know. I just think it's funny because it's a pointless, meaningless argument. Right. Right. Well, and so I think we should circle back to some of the things that you feel like you've learned this season because I, I feel like it'll be really interesting to just hear your perspective on it because, you know, from, from, from my perspective, it'll just be really interesting to hear like your major takeaways. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the different stages of your life and how ultimately you came to, you know, today, how okay, you yeah. ended up here. So kind of high school's ending and kind of go into that a little bit about like your grandpa and yeah and all that. Yeah. So, you know, just a completely obsessed with hunting growing up, get into high school, you know, get through high school. Uh, I was graduating and I had no idea what I wanted to do like school or anything. And my, one of my best friends, Landon, he called me one day at the end of our at the end of our senior year, like it's in May. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey man, a Marine recruiter called me and wants me to come take a practice ASVAB test. He's like, will you come with me? Mm -hmm. uh, he's like, I'm kind of scared. I don't want to go talk to him by myself. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'd always been enamored with military. Loved mil like, military movies, anything about the military. I always loved it. I have a granddaddy who was a Marine. His whole family was military. Papa was in the in the Army. And anyway, so I was like, yeah, man, I'll go. So he's taking this test. And I'm 17 still at the time. So I can't really, you know, without a parent signature, do mm -hmm. anything. I'm talking to this recruiter and he sells me i mean hook line and sinker he's like hey he got he got me so i, I leave there that day not knowing what i was going to do after high school and i call my family and i was like i'm joining the marine corps and it was everybody goes up in arms crazy they're like why would you do that blah 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 the whole spiel most people get whenever they first tell their families that and my family begged me they said please go to college for one year and try it and if you don't want to keep doing school after a year join the marines then and i was like all right deal and even your grandpa too who was a marine yes. was like was on their side as well yes. he wasn't pushing you to go do it he was on their side yeah he was the most adamant one of absolutely not he's not doing it uh -huh. and he, so i go to school i go to uh panola junior college carthage texas and they had a little they have a little uh like a outpost center in our what's called a mall in Marshall it's not really a mall but it's anyways in there and so I was taking night classes and online classes working for my dad and living still at my dad's house um, I was working for him he owns a, a radiator shop so I'm working all day going to school at night and at 18 I was like this isn't the college experience I was wanting mm -hmm. but where I was getting to hunt all the time because I worked for my dad yeah. So big cold fronts coming in, I'd tell him the night before, be like, hey, it'd be a real good day to be duck hunting tomorrow. And he said, you just go hunt when, whenever you're done. I have stuff <laughs> for you to do, but go hunt. So, I mean, it was like, that was awesome. Yeah. So I could just leave whenever and, and hunt, or I could leave work early and go hunt. I mean, so that was a, a slam dunk, which I really took for granted at the time and didn't realize I was. Uh -huh. um, but I hated the school part. I was going for something I didn't enjoy. Mm -hmm. And... So after the first semester, I knew I was going to enlist. Yep. I was just biding my time, letting the school year in. Mm -hmm. So after the first semester, I switched to just general studies and just had the most basic classes. And by March, I had already, at that point, I'd already told my family. I was like, I think it was in February. I was actually told them, I said, hey, I'm, I'm done with this. School. I'm going to finish the year, but I'm done. I'm joining the Marines. Mm -hmm. and they're like, okay. You know, 
everybody's crying the whole spiel but they're like you know you did you went to school so we'll support you yeah and so by march i'm enlisted and but I, it was still nine months after that that i actually went to boot camp and began my marine corps career because i was on a waiting list to get the job that i wanted which was infantry and then once i got the job that i wanted uh that contract i had to wait until x day for me to go to boot camp so then it was just me working out every day still working for my dad staying fit and in mm-hmm. shape preparing so i joined the marine corps december uh i went to boot camp december 1st of 2014 to uh mcrd san diego the recruit depot there uh so that's where i did boot camp at i was with echo company platoon 2105 if anybody hears this that uh might have been there at the same time frame i was there <laughs> uh but anyway so marine corps go to boot camp get out of that go to infantry school uh at camp pendleton and became a mortarman and then finished infantry school in May of 2015 and got assigned to my permanent duty station, which was 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, which is on Camp Pendleton, the same base out of Camp Horno and Horno with an H. <laughs> um, my accent can get a little thick on that sometimes and I feel like it, it's hard to understand. I think Horno actually means oven in Spanish. I have no idea. I don't know. I feel like somebody told me that one time because and Camp Horno is really, really hot. It's like the hottest place on the base, which is weird. It just doesn't get the breeze. Anyhow, so that's <laughs> I get I get uh, assigned to Second Battalion, First Marines. Uh, I get put with Weapons Company, Eighty Ones Platoon. Um, so, anyways, that's where I was. May of twenty fifteen, I get there and you know just live my life as an infantry marine. Uh, we deployed in February of twenty sixteen uh, on the thirteenth Mew, which is you know, you get on a Navy ship and they float you around. And I think I hit 11 countries in two deployments um, all over the South Pacific, countries throughout the Middle East. Um, and then my second deployment was to Okinawa, Japan, and also mainland Japan. Um, and we started, that started October of 2017 and we came home in April of 2018. And then I got out of the Marines uh, November 30th of 2018. I was you know, honorably discharged. But yeah, so that was that was my life from 2014 and 2018 was just hooking and jabbing and trying to be the, the scariest Marine I could possibly be. What was your favorite place that you went to? Um, Bali, Indonesia. Bali was fun. It's just, I mean, beautiful country. The beaches are beautiful. And you kind of just get released to hang out with all your best friends mm-hmm. that you live with every day. And you just kind of get released to hang out, have a good time. So that that was, I loved Bali. Also loved Japan, which I didn't think I I would, but I loved Japan. That was a lot of fun. Just like the training there, uh, just the the different places we got to see, uh, just was a lot of fun. And the, why can't I think of what they're called right now? We were going to start a business. When we're in North Dakota. What am I thinking of? Vending machines. Vending machines. And the, the vending co- machines. The coffee, the vending machines in Japan are the like something I've never seen. They have vending machines that dispense uh, coffee, canned coffee, and it has a hot side and a cold side. So you can pick one from the cold side and it comes out ice cold. You pick one from the hot side and the can comes out at 98.6 <laughs> degrees or whatever. And it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And they're awesome. Yeah. And then they also have alcohol vending machines, which yeah. is also cool. That is cool. Get you totally a good crazy. Japanese beer just on the street corner. Uh, yeah. Japan was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a blast. What What are some of your favorite memories from being in the Marines? I think some of my, fa- my favorite memories was doing my job. Mm-hmm. 
which is being a mortarman, an infantry marine, doing that job was just fun. I mean, if you like shooting weapons and you like blowing stuff up and you like, you know, just getting your ass kicked and physically with your buddies and doing just really tough things and like having just miserable times. Yeah. Uh, then that's then that's for you. I mean, it was I love doing that job. That and then just the, the barracks life when we weren't working. You yeah. know, everybody. It's kind of like a college dorm building, and it's just all your buddies, and you all live there, and it's just a you know a, a big party all the time. You know, I, I had a routine. If we weren't gone training every Friday and Saturday, I would cook for all my buddies, and so I'd go <laughs> buy, I'd get money from them all, and I'd go buy a bunch of steaks or a bunch of chickens or whatever, and I'd cook on the grills outside the the barracks, and we would sit out there and drink cold beer and play washers. I and I'd cook and we'd just hang out, and those are some of the funnest times yeah that i ever had yeah that's pretty sweet i mean it kind of reminds me like being with your buddies on the sports team kind of yeah right? it's uh-huh. like it, you're just hanging out all the time and while you go through those things together it makes you closer yeah. you know those hard times together it makes you closer when you've got the downtime and you're not doing the job you're like man like these guys are my best buds you yeah know? i think that's pretty sweet yeah that was just I don't know, some of my fondest memories now looking back is some of the most miserable times I and I was thinking at the time, you know, yeah. just miserable conditions, sleeping in pouring rain, no tent, just laying on the ground, sleeping in just torrential downpours and then having to, you know, go 14 days without a shower because you're just in the middle of the jungle. And I, I, I don't know, you know, just just things like that just made it so much sweeter. Yeah. It's like the more miserable of a story you can have, the better. Because yeah. you want it to just suck as bad as it possibly can suck. So you can go tell your buddies about it. And it was, I don't know. I, I think about this all the time. And I've heard many people say it. And I also say it. But I say, I, you know, very rarely do I ever miss the circus. But I always miss the clowns. Mm-hmm. And I'll always be a clown. <laughs> yeah, I, I do miss it. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I wouldn't trade, like, what I've done since then for anything. I think I'm, it's, I mean, I love how it's all how it's all working out. Yeah, and I think moving forward then going back to college is a unique thing like i really only ever knew i believe one guy that had done something similar when i was in college he just happened to be in the same dorm i'm sure there's many more but i just never really crossed paths with them other than this one guy but he had been in the military can't remember which branch but he was back college he's older than than all of us Mm -hmm. he's living in a dorm where you know here was this guy i think i was probably 18 at the time like you know he was in his 20s and had already been through four years of military life and was now back college and I always found that interesting and you're another example of that talk about that and like your decision to go back to college or go to college or however you frame that and you know just what that experience was like and what you were planning on doing afterwards yeah when I decided to go back to college I it was May of 2018 and we had just we'd only been back from our last deployment for about a month and I had five months till I was getting out and I had already made the decision I was getting out and was kind of starting that process of, you know, all the paperwork and stuff you got to do to get out of the military and, and just the different boxes you have to check. I was already starting that process, but I didn't know what I was going to do whenever I got back. Mm-hmm. I actually, like, rewind a little bit. When I was 18, um, and this is something I haven't told very many people at all, but when I was 18, when I was about to start that freshman year of college, I got approached by a guy who had a, a hunting show on one of the channels. Mm-hmm. 
and I was making, I was editing videos that my dad had took of us hunting and posting them on Facebook. And he wanted me to, he had a new idea he wanted to do and he wanted me to do it with him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. I mean, do a hunting show. It's literally like what I've always wanted to do. Uh Yeah, I'm going to do it. And so started going through all this process and what it was going to be. And it's neither here nor there, but that fell through. Uh Didn't have the sponsorship or anything. And our timeline came to when we were supposed to have it solidified and we missed it and he was like it's going to be x amount of time before we get that opportunity again i was like all right peace out i'm joining the marine corps we'll revisit this in four years Uh so now back to may of 2018 i'm like well what the hell am i going to do now i don't know i don't know how to do anything other than employ mortars and (laughs) infantry tactics and hunt i don't know anything Uh else That's it. But I've always been very intrigued with photography and people who were really good photographers. I was, I don't know why I've always enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So I had bought a, a, a Nikon D5500 from uh, like when I was in the Marines and I started using it, taking it to the field with us and taking pictures of my buddies training and like taking pictures of hunts and things like that. I was trying to figure out and I was seeing how everything was blowing up on Instagram and you know, YouTube is blowing up hunting wise. I was like, how can I find a way to work within that industry? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I had missed a, missed an opportunity when I was 18. I was like, how can I, maybe I can be a photographer. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I, I think I can, you know? So I just, I was like, I'm going to do that. So May of 2018, I'm going to go back to college because they're going to pay, Marines are going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I'll be making money while I'm doing it just from the GI bill. Not a lot, but some. I'm going to go back to school. gives me another three years to figure out my life and what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So I decided to en- I enroll, and I had to go back to the junior college I went to before because I failed all my second semester classes because I just quit going. So I had to go make up because my GPA <laughs> was so low. Hunting. Yeah, my GPA <laughs> was so low that I had to go take them again just so it was high enough so I could enroll at the university that I went to. So I did that, then got enrolled in the university when my grades were good. So in August of 2019, I enrolled at Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas. Went and to major in photography. So I was an art major with a focus in photography uh, and then a minor in marketing. And I was like, I'm just going to do that and just see what happens. Uh, so I'm just going to see what happens, see where it takes hold on, me. Hold on, did that thing just tell us that there's a trooper ahead? It said speed check ahead. Yeah, well, there's a trooper there, so that's... Kind of interesting. It was probably a little too late, but yeah, luckily we were controlled. Anyway, go on, Nick. So uh, I enroll at SFA doing photography and marketing, and as and then at that point when I when I made that decision to go to school for photography, I really started diving into it on my own time as well, doing you know YouTube University, figuring out how to take better pictures, and doing it while I was hunting, and kind of found a little groove there where. When I went hunting instead, I mean, I would still tote a gun, but like, I'd go duck hunting with a bunch of buddies. I would just take pictures most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I just really fell in love with doing that and then just progressed through school. So we'll fast forward, you know, through school, I'm still practicing photography, finding ways to make that a job. You know, I was working a summer job for outdoor Texas camps, you know, being the camp photographer and director of social media and stuff. and. That's cool. So I was finding ways how to do that in the summertime and then during school once. I just went to school and hunted. And tell, hold on. Before you get ahead, too far ahead, tell the story of 
your art class and that picture that you have of you with your with your drawing <laughs> compared to the day. Yeah. <laughs> this is hilarious. Why this is so funny. So I had to take some elective classes within the art school yep. to, you know, fulfill my degree. And electives was like jewelry making, like I did a jewelry making class, uh-huh. which was really awesome. I loved that class. Yep. Had an awesome professor for that, and then did you make something really cool in that too? Like a, did you make a ring out of? Yeah, like- I made a, a ring out of, of out of sterling silver, uh, forged and like formed a ring, That's pretty and sweet. then soldered it all together, and like, it, but I had four turkey tracks cut into it. Yeah, that I had cut in it. So I had I made that, and then I made I made some turkey feathers in a, into a necklace out of enamel. Which was really cool. So you have to use like the the oven and uh, the kiln mm-hmm. and fire these you know pieces of metal with enamel on it, and it, that was a really cool process. So that was an elective. Which another elective I had to take was drawing. Two classes of drawing, which I don't mind. I actually like drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had to do painting. <laughs> so painting is where I really just you know was a fish out of water, you know, <laughs> which I was really a fish out of water in the entire art school because you have me, a hick from Northeast Texas, Marine veteran, is now in the art school. <laughs> and I mean, you want to talk about stick out like socks on a rooster? I did not fit in at all. I remember my very first day. I walk in and you know they're like taking roll. It's my first art class, and I'm just I don't. I don't come off as the creative type. I don't <laughs> yeah. sound like it. I don't look like it. But um, you are. But you are. Yeah. And I do it, but I do it within hunting. So I'm not, I don't come off as that artsy person. Sure. So I really just didn't fit in. And then I started talking the first day I was in there. Or it might have actually took a few weeks because the first, I, I think I remember just sitting there staring at everybody, uh, you know, uh, just knowing I was out of place. <laughs> and everybody at first is like, who is this guy? And he is lost from the forestry department. <laughs> Uh, but it actually ended up making really good friends with a lot of people in there because oh, yeah. we all had the same classes together the yeah. whole four years because the art department's not that big at SFA. And so anyways, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, the painting. Yeah. So, so I'm in painting class and like my final project for painting class is I had to paint a self portrait. Uh-huh. And so I have the mirror set up on my easel deal and I got my canvas up there and I'm painting and I think I'm doing a great job. Uh, a good job and i'm not i took a snapchat and i showed it to zach several times i like zoom in across the room to someone else's self-portrait and it literally looks like their mirror image it's like it's, it's like so perfect it's so perfect it's I mean, ridiculous it's like how can anybody even create that what are you doing here why aren't you being paid yeah. you know and then i pan over to my self-portrait and me standing in this mirror and it is just the most lopsided looking face with the mustache and the chin is just as pointy and chiseled as it could be oh it it looks terrible i wish this podcast we it was like we'd pop up a picture of it because it is it is unreal how bad it is i actually hung it up in a buddy of mine's apartment uh (laughs) at some point because i kept it i was like this is so bad i have to keep it and i hung it up in my buddy's apartment above his bed when he was gone one day and uh and it's still hanging there that's so hilarious. but yeah that's i'm not a painter it's such a funny it's such a funny scene because like just trying to imagine nick in this you know out, he's out of place right like you said fish out of water and just that snapchat just says it all it's so so funny to me that uh, it's just one of those ones that yeah you just yeah really are like <laughs> 
realized that hey maybe i'm not so good at this painting thing but but what was funny too I, my one of my favorite parts of the story is how or i think you had to like show it or something like do like a uh presentation on your self-portrait and yeah. everybody was like oh nick that's so good and you're like ah. it's terrible <laughs> yeah we had to have a critique and everybody has to speak on it and it gets to mine and you know this i i, I was actually as bad as i say it is i was super proud of it yeah. because it was I'd never done anything painting like mm-hmm. that before, and it took so much, so many hours for me to make, <laughs> regardless of how I was like actually legitimately proud of it. <laughs> but I knew it was ugly, and so I just had to play with the joke and you know, like, uh, I mean, just run with it. I mean, you just know it's bad. Well, and, it's, it's like, like you said, you're proud of it, but compare if you're comparing it to these people that are probably going to, you know, try to professionally paint after this yes. class or after college. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it ain't. Yeah. You know, if they're getting a 10 out of 10, maybe yours is more like a, what, a strong four? <laughs> maybe. I'd say like a two. <laughs> but and everybody was like, hey, Nick, that's great work. You've, you've really improved throughout the semester, and it's this is really great. And I, I really like what you did here. And I was like, I started laughing. I was like, y'all, I mean, I know. I know that you know that I know that you know that this thing sucks. So it's okay. Y'all aren't going to hurt my feelings. But yeah, so that was that was college for me. Uh, a lot of art classes, being a fish out of water. and But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I really you know, got a lot out of, especially going for photography, allowed me to learn what I was wanting. I, was, I got out of it what I wanted. That's good. And, and I never thought I would ever have a, a college degree because mm-hmm. I never intended on going to school or, mm-hmm. you know, even cared about it. And, you know, I got a college degree and actually really enjoyed school as an older adult. I mean, hell, I was, um, I graduated on like the Dean's list or whatever. I had like a 3.3 GPA, which right. it's not hard to have a really high GPA and get good grades when you go for collegiate level arts and crafts (laughs) i mean it's as like my painting as long as you turn in the project i mean you're gonna put the effort in a good grade so it's not like math you know (laughs) so uh, i i brag about you know having a high gpa but it wasn't difficult yeah but i still think it's cool to be able to say that you got what you wanted out of it and i think that one of the things that is interesting about your timeline compared to me who went the more traditional route of just get done with high school, go to college. Uh, you know, I didn't appreciate college. Like I probably should have, I appreciated it for different things. Like the experience that I, which we've talked about a lot, like, you know, I just was exposed to, to different things that I hadn't been before in a, you know, in a small town in Ohio and, you know, going to college helped me grow as a person. I think just in general, I, I felt like I understood different perspectives, but, you know, as far as like getting anything out of the classes, I felt like maybe towards the end I did, you know, looking at it now, I'm like, man, I probably would, you know, yeah. pay a lot more attention and definitely wouldn't be as hungover in class as, <laughs> as I was back then. You know, I think that that is just an interesting thing where, you know, because of the timeline, because of the Marines in four years to grow as a person, which you certainly did then. Now you have this different appreciation and different outlook on it than you did, certainly than you did if had you just went when you were 18. I, I just based off of knowing you and hearing your story of it, don't you think you would agree that 
when you were 18, if you would have went into that, you'd have just been like, this isn't for me and just oh, bailed yeah. out, right? It would have been a total waste which, of money. Which you kind of even, you know, you kind of even did with just that first year that you, that you tried before yeah. you went to the Marines. You kind of were like, ah, this isn't for me. This is really what I want to do. You did it. But then that gave you this different appreciation and helped you get out of it what you wanted to, which I think a lot of people probably don't, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't have the, it's a, it's a tough place to be when you're 18 you know, everybody wants you to know exactly what you want to do till yeah. you're dead. And it's like, that's a hard, that's a really yeah. hard thing to do. And like, I don't think that everybody uh, is ready for that. And some people are, some people aren't, but I don't, looking back at it now, I don't think I was, I think I always knew what the dream was, but I didn't necessarily have a vision of how to get there. Yeah. yeah. But being in the Marines for four years, four years allowed you to have that vision. I yeah. think, I think that's super cool and probably, Yeah. I mean, it's just, your timeline is really cool and something that I think is real respectable, man. I think it's pretty awesome that you you did those things you, and you got a lot out of, you know, that time of your life between the Marines and, and yeah. college both together. It's pretty sweet. So, anyway. Yeah, the four years in the Marines, yeah, definitely, I like you said, like you knew in college what your dream was, but you didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. I also knew what my dream was, but I didn't know how to get there. Going to the Marine Corps allowed me to find that, what I thought was a potential path mm-hmm. to take, you know, mm-hmm. and right. I feel like it was absolutely the right path. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, go to college. And like I got said earlier, you know, I found THP in January of 2020 mm-hmm. and watched all that Turkey season. Like, I mean, followed it to a T. I was always watch I was watching it in class on my phone. <laughs> I was always watching the hunting public turkey hunting that spring. And that opened my eyes to so many more opportunities that I just never really knew about and didn't have the confidence to go after without having that knowledge for both turkey hunting and deer hunting. Um so then I just became a fan of THP and following along. Um and then you get to the end of my college career, I'm getting ready to graduate. You know, it's my last semester. It's about Christmas time last year, and I'm going again. What the hell am I about to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm about to graduate. I mean, I guess I can keep going to school, you know. I, I, I can still get my school paid for and keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just try to find a way to, you know, keep chasing the dream. Sure. And I was really scrambling. I... It was, yeah, it was December. I was reaching out to friends I had who used to film for hunting shows in the mid 2000s and was reaching out and I was trying to, I was weighing my options. I was like, what can I do? Buy me some more time until I really find that path. And so my number one prospect was to go work for an outfitter and be a guide. Mm -hmm. My thing, my, what I was going to do, and I was talking to some outfitters is I was going to work for one more than likely that would start in Canada, waterfowl hunting in September. And just, it's an outfitter or a couple of them there. They start in Canada and then they will go to Kansas and Oklahoma and, and finish in Texas. Uh, and I was like, that's what I'll do. And then I'll guide for them in the spring doing turkey hunts. And then while I'm doing that, I can still work on my craft of photography and photography within the outdoors and hunting. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that in doing that, you know, open some doors, open some doors, meet some people and open some doors and, you know, keep finding my way. So that's what I was doing, uh, or I was planning on doing. I was reaching out to outfitters and seeing who would take me. And a buddy of mine sent me an Instagram message, and it was the THP post of 
new inter like looking for new interns. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing it the year before and thinking, I would love to do that, but I got to take a semester off of school. And right now, at this point in my life, that just doesn't make the most sense. At that time, I was mm -hmm. like 24 or 25, I think 25. And I was like, I can't, I can't justify taking a month off of school at 25 to go do that and then come back and finish and just put me back that much further behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. And I, t I remember telling myself, I said, if that shows back up next year when it's time is ending for college i was like i'm gonna do it mm -hmm. so my buddy sends me that and i was like all right i'm doing it so i typed up well thanks to the marine corps i already had a resume and all that built and so i typed up my cover letter and got my resume updated and everything looking good and got my portfolio together and sent it in yeah and i was stoked that with like the next day after i emailed you know i got the email saying hey we got it We're, we'll let you know well, then like a day later, I get one from Warb and he's like, hey, love your resume. Everything looks good. We'd like to do an interview at some time, mm -hmm. at some point. And that's kind of that's kind of how the ball got rolling. I interviewed with him and Ted and, uh, and then talked to Jake on the phone a few weeks later and then talked to you on the phone a week or so after that. And then I met y'all in Mississippi to mm -hmm. turkey hunt and. Uh, and then a few more. Well, it was pretty much immediately after Mississippi is like a day later. Warb texted me and told me that it was mine if I wanted it. Mm -hmm. So, and that was in March. So from then on, and then I just finished out, finished out college and turkey hunted all last spring and knew that I was coming to do this. So I graduated in May and then, and first of July, I moved to Iowa and, and been with y'all ever since. And what made me jump at this opportunity was one, the experience alone is what I was like, that's just going to be awesome. I mean, incredible to be able to do that. It's, that's living out a dream that I've always had since I was a kid is to, to do something like this and, mm -hmm. and to do it with a group that I'm a fan of. I don't know you at the time, but I'm mm -hmm. like, I think I could get along with those guys, <laughs> you know, and I was right. I mean, yeah. we, all, we all get along pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I knew I was like, that's going to open doorways. And it's one, either gonna, it's going to let me know if that's something I want to pursue as a career, you know, just that world or not. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to, one of two things, it's going to let me know. And it's also going to open doors for those opportunities if that's what I want. Yeah. And so I knew that going into it, I was like, that's the path. That's the, you know, what I, that's what I've been waiting on. That's what I waited seven years for. And four years in the Marine Corps and three years of college, I waited for that right there. To, <laughs> and then when I saw it, I was like, all right, gotta, we got to run it now. And it was, it was funny, too, because I feel like having the conversation with you on the phone, you know, go through, you know, have a lot of those conversations and just right away there's something, I mean, as people have seen in videos and everything, I mean, there's just something right away you like about Nick. Like, you're just easy to get <laughs> along with. It's like, okay, well, I can talk to this guy for as long as I want. Like, this guy will keep talking with me. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We're, we're going to have fun. And then, yeah. like... We went turkey hunting together that first time, and, you know, we only hunted that one morning and really minimal action in the grand yep. scheme of things. But, you know, we, we had a funny experience where somebody left a note on our on our trucks when we got back, and it said, watch for pets. Yeah. Kenneth, Kenneth, you know, signed Kenneth, and it was just like, I don't know. We just really, really had a good time with that and just, <laughs> like, joking in general. And it's just yeah. like, oh, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. And obviously, since then... You've been on tons of 
of different trips and, and had all kinds of cool experiences. And I think as we've been talking, you know, recently you've talked a lot about just, just even aside from this podcast, like you've said a lot of things to me recently, like, man, I just, you know, I'm learning so much and I'm having a really good, uh, really good time, you know, trying all this different stuff and going to these different places. And I think, you know, I guess to start this part of the conversation off, list where you've been. And also I'm curious for you to elaborate more on some of the things specifically that jump out to you that you've learned, whether that be like the work side of things and or the hunting side of things. Okay. Cause gonna, I think that'd be real, real interesting. Yeah. I'm going to tackle that. Uh, I'm going to do the list of where I've been and list of states that I've hunted in. Yep. Not just like stayed in because like i went to colorado but i didn't hunt in colorado, wow that's so. true yeah that's true and I went to south dakota as well so yeah but i'm just gonna list the states that i've hunted in participated in hunts in and then i'm gonna do what do you say uh what like things that jump out hunting wise that i've learned yeah like specific things because yeah. i think that's I, I would be interested in hearing that and then i'll i'll fall i'll end it all with the the work side of it yep started out august montana pronghorn mm-hmm. First time pronghorn hunting. Mm-hmm. Then North Dakota, whitetail. Yep. Then Missouri, whitetail. Then went home to Texas, mm-hmm. whitetail hunting. Mm-hmm. And then back up to, after that, I came up and went straight back to North Dakota. And then down to Iowa, had my first, you know, experiences in Iowa hunting for a couple weeks. And then up to Wisconsin. Yep. And then back down to Iowa some, and then Kansas, back to Iowa again, back to Kansas again, and then from Kansas, Minnesota. Yep. And those are all the different states that I've participated <laughs> in hunts in so far this year, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. You told me, too. Now, not all of these were hunting states, but you'd been in like 17 or 18 or some different I've, states. I've changed states 18 times. <laughs> I think this will be 19, and then tomorrow will be 20 when that's, I drive home. That's insane. Uh, and so state changes of, and not just drive through states, but like actually go into a different state and staying there, mm-hmm. spending a night at least, and then uh, and then elsewhere after that. So 18 times I've changed states, and it's not even Thanksgiving. That's crazy. It's crazy because yeah, I don't ever, I don't count that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think that. I think it's one of those things that, you know, it just, it just keeps happening and I don't, which I not didn't make it sound like I'm taking it for granted. I'm not, I truly, truly love traveling. Like I told, uh, I don't know. I think I told Whitney recently, I just got real, real into what I was talking about. I said to her, like, you know, that's what I love about what we do so much Mm -hmm. is I don't just get to go to different places and hunt. It's not just that. It's that I get to go become like a resident of that place for yep. like a week and I get to live in that world and I get to understand, you know, what the people that hunt here every year or live here or whatever, what it's like for them. And I love that so much. I think that probably, I don't know if I do a good enough job or if anybody cares at all, maybe they don't, but to me, that is what I enjoy the most. That's why I like the deer tour, the turkey tour is because I like going and seeing new places and experiencing new hunts. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's just really unique and, and 
really cool because at the end of the day, like every place has its own unique spin on hunting in another way. It's all the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's all the same, but so different yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. And that's, that's unique. So. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so those are all different states that I've hunted in this year so far. And um, I'd say the things I've, I've learned the most, like that just really, really jump out at me. One of them being how, how easy it can be to learn these new skills and tactics if you just go do it. Yeah. It's not that scary. Yeah. It's not as scary as I thought it would be. Like going to Missouri and just jumping into woods I've never even seen, following Ted's lead. He was a huge help. He's mm-hmm. taught me so much this year on how to find deer and and following his lead and, you know, learning how to find deer in big woods like that and what to look for and it's it's just once you start doing it the pieces just it starts clicking and then you start figuring it out and that missouri trip has really helped me learn even more going to these different states and different tactics and learning how to hunt from the ground and be mobile that was a base that that's really just helped everything click and really just the knowledge really start piling up and i don't know i just it's it seemed so naturally so natural to pick it all up just because had a really good base from Missouri and then I don't know it's like the potential was always there to learn it I guess mm-hmm. I just didn't know how to do it mm-hmm. and then once I started learning it then it just really the ball started rolling and then I'll just like it all makes sense when we go do something like when we were in Minnesota and just slipping through there and although my very first time hunting in the snow like that and we're rolling <laughs> into tracking and what we're looking for it was like I, I knew what we were doing before we were doing it, mm-hmm. and I just knew how to go about it, I guess. I don't know, and I don't know if that makes me sound like a jackass or being <laughs> like I, I know everything or something, because no. I, I definitely don't. I, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like I just got, once I got the fear part out of the way of, you know, being fearful of not knowing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and failing, Yeah, which is, you know, I, once I got past that, it's just been like everything is just... I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to explain, and it's really given me. I mean, I've never. My love for hunting has never faltered or like gone down. It's done nothing but go up. But just what I've learned in like how to find deer and different ways to deer hunt and killing deer off the ground at ten yards and killing deer with a decoy and then, <laughs> yeah. you know just all that stuff is just like my love for deer hunting has just gone like through the roof this yeah. year, and I've always loved it. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, it, this is just opening more doors and more ways for me to do it. Just like in 2019, my love for turkey hunting went up whenever I learned I can travel and go kill these jokers <laughs> in other states uh-huh. and, and public land. And then, and that I, that's the year I remember thinking about turkey hunting and going, man, this, I've always loved it, but I love it right now more than more I ever than have. Ever. Yep. And that was, I've heard you talk about it before. You have that season or that year where you realize that this is like, you're really losing control with how much you love this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like that 2019 turkey season was that for me. Yeah. Um, and and that now deer 2022 deer season is that for me for deer hunting where I can. It's like I don't know. So I'm, I'm getting. I'm just kind of rambling. Uh, nah, I mean I think that's I think that's cool because I think when you hit that, it's a it is an important 
time of everybody's hunting career. It's like you found or not, or even enough styles to feel like now you're gonna you're gonna find your own style, yeah. right? You've experienced these different things, and I mm-hmm. I think for me that season was 2017 when I started like really hunting off the ground. Like that's the year I had that same yeah. like wait I love deer hunting forever, but now I love deer hunting in a way that. I didn't ever know I could. Yeah. And it's, it's so I understand exactly where you're coming from in that, uh, when you say that. So what, what about like, um, you know, hunting like open country, like North Dakota and Kansas, what about some of those things? Cause to me, I feel like that when I think of, at least for me, that's way different than anything that I had ever done. What, what stands out to you in those situations? Like what are the unique things that, you feel like you learned in a really open country. Um, I learned just like how much you can truly get away with mm-hmm. with a whitetail. Yeah, uh, like I was telling you earlier, how I was talking about their eyesight. Mm-hmm. A deer can see. Well, I mean, I know they have eyeballs, but they don't see that good. <laughs> they really don't. If you if you calculate your movements and you're conscious about what's behind you and how you're going to move point A to point B. As long as the wind's in your favor, you can get away with so much with a whitetail. I mean, it's just you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you gotta you gotta really be out there waving the flag for them to you know figure it out or you know or just get winded. Yeah. Um. Uh. But hunting deer out west is like I've learned just what you can get away with and how much you can do and and then and then how little those deer need to live in to disappear yeah. and for you to realize that. For them just to be gone, and yeah. it, it it takes so little terrain change and so little that a deer can get in a cedar bush and then you tall grass or whatever, or dogwood patch or something, yeah. and, and disappear and be gone for ten hours, <laughs> and then it just stands up and you're like, where the hell did that thing come from? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've been sitting here watching this spot for all day, uh-huh. and how do I never see that thing? And so it's really, like I really learned with Ted, looking at some of the terrain we were hunting in, is like. I've overlooked so many deer in my lifetime mm-hmm. just because I saw something or they were bedded in places that I just thought wasn't bedding area. Yeah. That mobility you can have hunting from the ground and how you can find deer and, and then move on them out west and in wide open places, I'm completely obsessed with it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, now I know why whitetail adrenaline does what they do because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. It's so much fun. And if you're somebody who doesn't like to sit still for a long time, you know, that it's, that's cool because you can just get up and move. And yeah. um, I don't, I don't know. It's well, and for me too, you know, I hear often the argument of, well, you can't do that here. You can't do that where I'm from. And we've talked about that yeah. a lot today too, where, you know, my, my mission with becoming interested in ground hunting is first and foremost, make it fun for myself. Mm-hmm. And then second, show other people that have a similar personality or hunting style that maybe they don't even know about yet. Maybe they don't even know that's their hunting style. Show them that, hey, it doesn't matter where you're at in the country. If you want to do this, yeah. you can do this. And it doesn't matter if it's timber, if it's hills, if it's flat, if it's cattails, or if it's oak hickory forest or whatever it is. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. If you want to do this, you can do it. If you want to hunt mobile and off the ground or whatever, 
you can. And don't let anybody tell you you can't. And honestly, don't let yourself tell you you can't. Because if you want to and you enjoy it, even if you're not having success, I promise that if you continue to learn about it and you continue to hone in your skills, it can work anywhere. And I have connections and friends and people across the country that are doing it. So I know that it can be done everywhere. It's not... It's not a, well, you can't do it down south. Well, yeah, you can. You yep. ever met Land Smathers? <laughs> yeah. so, you know what Land I mean? Land is doing it. <laughs> yeah, Land's doing it. It's like, I got a buddy in Pennsylvania that's doing it. I got a buddy and a couple buddies in Pennsylvania that are doing it. You know, it's like you got you got all kinds of people across the country. I mean, no matter where, in the northeast and the southeast and, you know, everywhere. You yep. can do that everywhere. It's just a matter of, like you said, and I think I think what you said is is interesting, too. Once you get past that uncomfort of going into the unknown, yep. it's like you cut ties with an expectation or you just quit worrying about success and failure in the same traditional way you always have. Yeah, success has become many, many different things. They take other forms other than just putting a tag on something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't know. I've just, I've really fallen in love with with this style of deer hunting and, <laughs> and doing it. and. Uh, and still love the way I grew up deer hunting and yeah. will continue to do it. But I will also continue to, I'll continue to do it with a new perspective and a different flair because now I'm in a situation. I can be hunting a spot, my favorite stand at my deer lease, hunting the same deer feeder, and I can see a deer go in one of these draws that I see them always go in. And yeah. now I'll just get down out of the tree and I'll just <laughs> go over there and try to kill it, you know, yep. instead of just sitting there, uh-huh. you know, being all pissed off because the deer <laughs> left and you didn't get a shot, you know, I'll just, I'll just go over there and kill it, you yeah. know, or try to scare least. it off at yeah. least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's, that's just really, man, I, I love, I love hearing it. I love I'll, it, that. That just really gets me excited. I mean, that is, I guess, along with the going to new places, it's just, you know, I like hearing people excited about something different. No yeah. matter what it is, it's just like whatever it is that you enjoy, man. I, I, I mean, I say that so much. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but that's that's what it's all about. And whether it's sitting and not moving for hours at a time and enjoying the peace of that, you know, to get away from, you know, the other things that you do every day, whether it's that or you're more like me and you, you you know, get impatient in 15, 20 minutes, you know, it's like, well, no matter how, you know, what side of that you're on, just figure out what it is that you like and enjoy that because that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what buck you shoot, doesn't matter how many deer you shoot, doesn't matter how many turkeys or whatever, none of that matters. What really matters is, is are you learning and are you enjoying it? Well, I mean, even if you're not learning, are you enjoying it? I guess that's number one. That is number one. Are you having fun? Because because I had to hit a point where I wasn't having fun deer hunting because I didn't like sitting. I didn't like hanging a stand, carrying a stand and sticks in, and setting it up and then sitting there and trying not to move all day. I didn't like that. So I just stopped doing it. And then I enjoyed it again. Like I didn't enjoy it again. It was like I had this new love for it. Like yeah. I didn't just love it anymore. I really loved it. Like I, I mean, it just got, it's like the obsession became more ridiculous. Yeah. So, and when know. you thought like, how could this get, how could I get any more obsessed with this <laughs> yeah, and then turn the page and it's like, you're an absolute freak <laughs> because you're obsessed with it so much. I mean, yeah, it's done that for me. And, and it's not like we're talking about deer hunting and things I've learned, but THP you talk about, you were talking about it earlier is helping people find that and, mm-hmm. 
and realize what else is out there. And THP has done that for me this fall for with deer hunting, but THP also did that for me. You didn't know this, but it did it for me in spring of 2020 with turkey hunting when I killed a, my first public land bird mm-hmm. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did it only because of the THP videos that I was watching because turkey hunting, I grew up in the way I'd always done it up to that point for, you know, 22 years. I'd done it one way, decoy, call them to your decoy, shoot mm-hmm. them there. Mm-hmm. That's how I'd always done it. Mm-hmm. Not moving, you know, I didn't really know how to move on birds and how to use terrain. Mm-hmm. When I started watching THP and I was watching y'all use this little bitty micro terrain and crawling, scratching in the leaves, learning that some noise making is good, you know, mm-hmm. and and fi- and seeing that. And then I so I watched y'all do it, you know, because I was obsessively watching THP <laughs> turkey tour videos, seeing y'all do this. And then I find myself in Colorado with a bird inside of 20 yards, but I can't see him because of micro terrain mm-hmm. and I leave my tree and I crawled and scratching the leaves and I'm calling real soft to him. And, and he just stayed there and I shot him at like 10 yards. Cause <laughs> I just like, you know, Turkey peaked over a little hill and he's standing right there full strut and I killed him. And it was yep. like, and when I did that, my dad told me, I showed him the video of it and he told me, he said, you never would have killed that Turkey if it wasn't for THP because <laughs> of what you've, what we've talked about learning, seeing them do, cause we didn't, we didn't know you could kill turkeys the way y'all were killing them. And, and that like, that ignited a you know a 2019 is when i really fell in love but in 2020 it just like really even skyrocketed again because mm-hmm. i i put that to use yep. and so that's something i've learned but it was you know two years ago but yeah. i mean that's uh, that's, that's what cool. thp is for that's what it's about mm-hmm. is helping people find that whether it would be you know with turkeys or deer or elk or pronghorn or even waterfowl yep. you know whatever Yep. So as far as like the things that you've learned filming and everything, is there anything or filming or about just the backside of THP that's interesting that maybe you think people listening or people interested in, in, you know, internship or working in the industry or whatever it may be, is there anything that sticks out to you there? And one thing I guess I did want to touch on that I think is, is cool before you answer, one common thing that I hear a lot of people say, whether it's, you know, our group in THP or it's other people that are in the industry or you in your story, you talked about how even when you were in the Marines, you bought the camera, you started putting it to use, you were practicing, you were doing everything you could learn on your own. And then on top of that, you got the college education that also helped you learn as much as you could about that. But the one that that's the one common theme I hear from most people is you start doing it because before you even really get any official training, like you teach yeah. yourself a lot, I guess is what I'm getting at. And I think that had it not been for really anybody in THP currently teaching themselves how to film, like me, Greg, Aaron, Jake, Ted, all of us, I know that all of us started just because we wanted to start filming our own hunts and it, we started going with our buddies and filming each other just like you went with your camera, going with your buddies duck hunting, you're taking pictures of them and, and you kind of put the hunting on the back burner of, for yourself and you just start trying to learn that aspect of it. And that's the common theme, man. Pretty much everybody that I talked to that got into it started that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess- And I agree. Now that you say that, I've heard every single person I've heard within the industry, you know, the hunting industry mm-hmm. has said the same thing. They just got a camera and just kind of 
started playing with it mm-hmm. and then, but yeah very common theme and i uh, think that i think that if you're interested and i'm sure i've said this before but if you're interested in becoming you know uh, a cameraman or you know or being in the industry at all like whatever it is like just do that i mean just start like filming and watching other people's videos mm-hmm. say hey can I, how can i get that shot how can i edit that video to make it look like that yeah and i think that that is is if you start teaching yourself those things and even if you don't ever even want to do it professionally like just do it for doing it for yeah. fun like i think that you know that that's how that's how we all learned like it, i didn't ever take an editing class yeah i honestly have never or in high school aside from high school i learned the very basics of adobe premiere pro when i was in high school and that was whatever a version that was version 2010 which i'm sure looks nothing like the version 2023 that i'm using currently you know it's like i'm sure it looked totally different but as far as like actually learning how to edit i've never it's it's you know we teach each other things and you know when i was an intern at midwest whitetail we would teach each other things but you can't necessarily sit there and say every single detail about how the editor works you kind of just have to practice. Yeah, and you like, just got to do it. Yeah, when I would, when I learned how to do it, when I learned how to edit, I would just sit there and make a video, and then I would show Warb, and he would just, you know, tell me how all of it was wrong and yeah. that I should do it differently <laughs> the next time. So then, if I don't know how, then I either ask him or I watch a YouTube video, and like that's what that's how we, that's how it op, how we operate. I mean. Even to this day, it's like you can sit there and you can watch somebody else do it and ask questions. That's also a great way to learn. Yep. But if you don't have that, just watch YouTube. I mean, as silly as that sounds, mm-hmm. like you can learn to watch a tutorial of how to use the, the, the program. Oh, I mean, yeah. YouTube University. Yeah. It's all. It's, it's, the, I mean, it's, it's all the best there. college there is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, in the editing aspect, I'll get to that on, you know, things I've learned, but it just you just got to do it and i know it's like that's the cliche thing to say mm-hmm. i'm before even doing the internship i'd listen and listen to you on the podcast or other people and they'd say just just do it just you know you just got to do it and i'm like geez how can i how many times can i just do it before <laughs> i really starts to click you know but it's true you just got to do it especially with the away. editing you know yep. i mean just make something you know mm-hmm. i think one of the work side one of the things i've learned the most and like the like was a big glaring thing is how to put a story together, mm-hmm. how to make a story out of a hunt. Mm-hmm. Seeing that, going from watching the videos before as just a viewer and now to making the videos and, well, videoing the video that makes the video, mm-hmm. you know, what is needed to put that story together? Mm-hmm. It's something that I never really thought of or just didn't couldn't grasp just being a viewer. Mm-hmm. I don't know, my brain, I just couldn't grasp that. I needed to be shown how to do it and that's how i am with everything i have to be shown how to do something and then i'll know how to do it but i, I gotta you gotta show me what it is and learning how to put the story together by what to video was like not it's not hard mm-hmm. once you once for me like once i saw it i was like oh i can do this mm-hmm. like yeah i got this and now so whenever we're doing anything now or any i can i'm thinking about what is needed and what it is that makes the story and it just all makes sense to me now where before it didn't make sense. I'm like, how do they get to that? And it's literally just film everything. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think of it too, to, to touch on like telling a story and, and some people, you know, admittedly will say, you know, I don't like telling a story or I'm not a good storyteller. And, and if that's not your thing, you don't enjoy it. I mean, that's, that's totally cool. 
Bazan, you get Nick or Zach telling you a story, <laughs> like in real life, like, you know. With words. With words. <laughs> and it is the most, like, just detailed thing and just so much passion. And I mean, I would assume at this point, if you're listening to this podcast, and you're still listening to this probably <laughs> long and drawn out podcast. If you're listening to it, you know that that's true. And when we do that, but how I tell people, if you're going to try to make a video, just think of your story. What's your story? You know, if you enjoy yeah. telling a story, well, how did, how do you describe that? And I think back to my original videos. Okay. So you think back to those days where you make that video and you get done with it. And you're so proud and you're like, you know, somebody watches, you show it to somebody and I'm thinking of myself in high school, right? Yeah. You show it to somebody and they're like, oh, that's awesome, man. And they're like, yeah, but what you didn't see, it's like, wait, why am I telling this part of the story and not just showing it to yeah. them? It's like, well, because I didn't film enough. So like, as that time goes on, you start realizing more and more that if you're going to tell the story, just like your memory, you have to film just like your memory works. Yeah. You have to film it all, you know, your memory and, and maybe not all of it, but enough of it to show every segment of your memory. So, you know, when you're on a hunt, you know, there's always that camp memory. There's always that in the car memory. Mm -hmm. There's always that, you know, unique day that maybe it rained a bunch and we got all wet, you know, to tell that story, you have to roll the camera. And that sounds so silly. Yeah. But if you're interested in filming, even if it's just for yourself, Doing those things is is really really important. I think you know just filming everything. And I, I, man, it sounds so so silly, but to tell the story in full, you have to film it all. And you you gotta film it. And you don't have to keep all of it like in your final product necessarily, but you gotta film it all, or you can't tell that part. Of, if there's no footage there, there's no story to tell. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I'm very long winded, <laughs> as you are. I remember uh, one of my best friends, Trey. When we were in junior high, he's a big hunter too. He's the one that killed that yep, big eight yep. point the other day. I'd come home, or I'd come home. I'd come to school on Monday morning. And we'd have to use to sit at the gym before we could go in until eight o'clock, you know, until the class is open, and then we go to class. So we're sitting in the gym, and on Monday mornings I'd be coming back from a trip to the deer lease or whatever. For the longest time, I'd tell him these stories, and they um giving him every detail and just everything. And he would get so fed up. He like I would notice that he's not even looking at me. He's like not even paying attention at all he's just waiting for me to finish and finally he got to a point where i'd walk in and he'd say save your story did you kill or did you not kill and if you did show me a picture if not okay cool let's talk let's do something else and he still does that to me and so i'm kind of conscientious about it now but i still just you know oh, like yeah. telling this story is taking way too long <laughs> i'm just i can't help it i want you to have the details oh yeah i get it dude you don't have to tell me. So uh, other things I've learned. So, you know, how to put, how to tell a story, how to put it together. What do I need for the story to come across to someone else? That and the editing piece of it mm -hmm. um, and learning, like a lot of things I've talked about, it's not as scary as it seems. Mm -hmm. If you'll just do it, start messing with it. Don't be scared to, you know, make something bad or fail or whatever. If you'll just do it, you'll realize it's not that scary. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me when y'all started teaching me editing stuff. You know, at first, the first couple of days, it was just like, Jake, he was like, here, I'm doing this. Ask questions. And I'm like, hell, I don't know what to ask. <laughs> I mean, what's that do? What's that do? And all of y'all work so fast because you've been doing it for so long that y'all are just just hitting different buttons and, and shit's happening and it looks cool, but I don't know how you did it. And then, and then it's just like, I was like, I can't ask questions. I just need the footage. 
tell me to make something and I'll go make something. Uh, and when I need help, I'll ask you. And that's how I've learned. And now I feel like I'm not scared of it now. I'm mm-hmm. not intimidated of, you know, editing. And I, I enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy making that story because I like telling stories. I mean, obviously, you can tell by me talking that I like storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so just making it out of images or video is another way for me to express that storytelling creativity side of myself mm-hmm. and i think it's cool man i mean yeah you're you are a storyteller you're like you can sit i mean last night we processed a deer and had them all cut up and in the freezer and once we were done with that we were sitting around chilling out hanging out and uh nick was telling these stories and man he would go into it full full on and it's just so enjoyable to watch to me it is Unlike Trey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's enjoyable for me to watch somebody get super passionate about their story and, you know, all the details because I feel like when somebody does a really good job of it, it's like you're there. You know, it's like you're sitting there enjoying the same experience that they had. And I think that, you know, when you when you can do a good job of that and, and keep people interested, you know, you're just you're ultimately like doing a good job of sharing your experiences and whether they're good or bad, it's like you can always take something away. If somebody tells you a good story, you can take something away from it. We can all learn from each other's experiences. Uh-huh. And I think that's a little bit of THP too, right? It's like when, when no matter good or bad, no matter what the outcome of the hunt is, it's like if we tell you the story of it and we do a good job of it, you know, you might be able to apply again good or bad to your own situation so i think that i think that's cool and fun and it's something i enjoy and uh you do a good job of and one other thing too that i was going to say just since like we're on the topic of nick you know one thing that you'll never you'll never necessarily know i mean maybe you can get a little bit from the video but something i noticed about nick right away is he's got something that not everybody has he's got this like proactive ability to be ahead of the game with just making life easier for everybody in these little subtle ways that, I mean, really is something that I think can be learned, but also Nick has a pretty incredible natural ability to just kind of help move things along, help make things just a little bit easier along the way. And like everybody in THP does does that, but Nick does it in the things that are not always obvious or they're easily e- overlooked and, and certainly are overlooked from a view viewer standpoint like a lot of the days that nick's cooking us food <laughs> like we don't cook our own food when we're on the road very often because we just straight up don't have the time or we don't make the time you know we, yeah. we put so much effort on hunting and filming and you know it's just like oh, we'll just take the easy route and eat this freeze dried or we'll take the easy route and just eat you know peanut butter and an apple over here like yeah or whatever but it's <laughs> like you know nick's got the whole like the whole kitchen out and food made and cleaned up and put away before anybody even like realizes that they're hungry right or like today the funny the thing that like really cracked me up was we we stopped we he didn't do any cooking he forced us into taco bell (laughs) but we get taco bell and we're driving and i'm eating it while i'm driving which whatever you know maybe isn't the best idea but i'm eating it while i'm driving and i get done with the wrapper and before i even know where i'm going next with it nick's got his hand out like i'm i got it i'm putting it in the trash you know it's just stuff like that it's like that is something that nick in my mind will always be really stand out good at is just being ahead of the game. And I did ask him, I was like, do you think that's Marines or you think that's natural or you think that's both? Yeah. Probably I, a little both. I think it's both probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just cool. I don't know. Not, and it's just like, I don't know. It's a, it's a skill that I, I really appreciate. And, 
you know, I mean, obviously Nick's good at a lot of things, but that's something that I feel like it's just, man, that's a standout thing to me. It's just, yeah, Nick around, man, he's already loading the truck up. Nobody asked him to. He's already putting stuff in the truck. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just yeah. so, I don't know, stuff like that. Like, I think even as a group of THP, like all over these, you know, last whatever five years or whatever it is now that we've been doing this it's like we're always trying to get a little bit better at those things that make you know the whole trip a little bit more efficient but yep. nick's just got it naturally like he didn't <laughs> he didn't have to learn it he's just he's already getting us moving i don't know it's just hilarious little side note but yeah man well i guess we should probably wrap this one up i have no idea how long we've even been talking but uh we're at a hour and 40 minutes and we started like we were bannering back and forth for 13 minutes and that's when i took the picture of the thing so we got like an hour and a half long podcast perfect so i'd say that's pretty choice (laughs) and if you stuck around hey good on you you like stories yeah thanks thanks for listening everybody we're gonna wrap this one up and hit the bathroom and maybe record another one probably get stay on stay on the headsets (laughs) All right, everybody, catch you on the next one.